This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorn startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest-growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hey guys, welcome back to Breaking Banks Europe. I am Matteo Rizzi, the executive producer of the show. This is like an Easter show, uh, 171, episode 171. I'm here with Lucas Enzerdorfer, the CEO of Bitpanda. Uh, Lucas, welcome. Welcome to Breaking Banks Europe. Hi, Matteo. Great to be here. Thank you very much for welcoming. So let's start, you know, at most of Europe uh, and, and abroad, uh, uh, you know, further knows Bitpanda, but uh, a couple of words about you, your role, uh, you know, how you came up co-founding the company. Let's, let's dive straight into this episode into this episode that has been built for and with you guys. Sure. Thank you very much. Uh, I think the important topic to know what this Bitpanda is, we started in 2014, um, actually to solve back then the problem of how can I buy Bitcoin as easy as possible. And as you can imagine, in 2014, uh, buying Bitcoin was not just very, uh, yeah, I would say uh, complex because technically very, very heavy to do, but especially it was uh, super hard to actually get the know-how of setting the stuff up. So we came up with building an easy to use platform solution, bitfunder.com to actually like, uh, yeah, enable retail users to invest into crypto assets and cryptocurrencies. And we scaled this business since then to up to uh, 4 million users in Europe. We are highly regulated and um, we are offering now 230 different crypto assets on our platform. Um, for these 4 million um, users. Yeah, and uh, what we've seen in the last two years now, especially is that the traditional financial service industry is moving even stronger also now in the space. Board members of banks are thinking about how can I also leverage blockchain technology and offer crypto to my customers to a certain degree. And this is when we started with our Bitbutter technology solutions, which is a SaaS software business where we offer our technology we've built and the license framework we have to banks to exactly offer blockchain services or blockchain-based services like crypto trading to their customers. And that's therefore super happy to be here and breaking banks today uh, because I believe that that's a service and a topic which actually is very relevant to be not broken <laughs> at a certain point in time as a bank. Absolutely. Just because I want to like always give a little personal touch, Lucas, you and I met uh met in Milan uh, during the FinTech Summit last year for the first time. We had a super, like, a really, like a, a nice conversation. But I actually never asked, what is your, like, a personal relationship, you know, with, with crypto? And how did you, 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 uh, you were born into this world? Or, like, uh, what, what brought you to feel so passionate about it? Sure, it's a super valid topic. So on the one side, uh, I'm personally interested in the financial markets, um, so stocks market and so on, since I'm 16. I uh, started investing back then quite early, so it was just a hobby and super curious about it. I also studied uh, banking and finance at university, and for me it was always clear 
to go into the financial service industry. However, along the way, I think it was in 2015, then um, especially um, got a lot of exposure actually to, to all the cryptocurrency area. Um, some friends of mine here in Vienna actually um, decided, as I said in 2014, to start Bitpanda. Um, and I was always curious about that space um, because, and I think that's the beauty of it, it's not so much about that uh, crypto to, uh, or cryptocurrencies are a new form of payment. It's much more on the one side a store of value and on the other side it's an asset class. Uh, it's super similar to existing regulated financial services, but it's technologically wise how it should be in the 21st century. Because super small uh, topic, but think about capital markets, they are only open Monday to Friday, nine to five with pre-market and aftermarket trading. Uh, crypto trades 24 seven, 365 days a year. And if I want to decide on New Year's Eve to actually buy Bitcoin, I can do that. Normal banks are not offering any trading services because they're, the old software is like doing batching and uh, accounting and all the stuff they need to do outside of trading hours. And therefore, I believe blockchain technology is simply how financial service industry and the financial market should be in the 21st century. And therefore, I believe crypto is a super interesting use case to actually enable that. It's interesting how, you know, I, as, you, as you know, I've been in this space in what we call fintech since more or less uh, uh, 2009 when I was still at Swift. And I still remember like vividly, you know, when we try to explain uh, you know, blockchain, Bitcoin, and actually even Ethereum when Vitalik came uh, to show, you know, their, you know, brand new invention, you know, to the bankers. And I still remember this, uh, you know, eyes wide open, uh, some skeptical, some completely sort of uh, uh, placed out, right, by someone so young uh, explaining such a complex technology. And uh, I wonder in this like 15 years, uh, the banking industry like uh, uh, came back, you know, into believing that uh, there is that, that there is a way to conciliate, as you said, the crypto as an asset class with maybe a small portion, right, of the investment of the of of their clients, and this is where I believe Bitpanda technology comes in, right? Exactly. I think what you mentioned is, is, is a super valid topic. doesn't matter if it's a retail customer or a high net worth individual or even a corporate business. Um, what we've seen over the last year, a couple of years especially is that more and more Europeans, European business, really invest into that asset class a certain amount of their portfolio, between 1% to 3 or 5% actually. And it doesn't matter if it's like for me as a retail uh, investor to uh, invest, but also like balance sheet management for, for corporates. So across Europe, we already have an adoption of around about 20% into the crypto, into crypto assets and the cryptocurrencies. Um, however, uh, this is growing. And how can I as a financial or as a bank, for example, or as a financial service industry player, not afford long term to at least offer some services. And this can be just custody of these assets, right? Because nobody wants to more or less custodize the assets on his or her own once they have a certain size. It's a security topic. Uh, however, whom do you trust most with your money, with your valuable assets normally? It's your bank, right? It's the most trustworthy institution, at least it should be, um, where, where you store a lot of value for you personally or for you as a company. And therefore, I personally also believe that long-term also adoption for crypto assets will be go hand in hand with the adoption of blockchain technology and crypto for traditional banks. 
is uh, by the way you just made him realize you know personal revelation even if it won't reveal that much that actually indeed one percent of my assets is invested in crypto and i'm using uh, uh, i'm not yet a panda client you know full disclosure but the amount is so irrelevant that you're not missing uh, on a billionaire so it's fine i think you can forgive me but and oh, this being said and 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 this being said, it is true that uh, having yet another platform that is basically, you know, it is is leaving him up to me whether or not I understand it, what you know, which cryptocurrency I buy, and it is not integrated with the rest of my assets. One brings me yet another security token, password to remember, very complex. Uh, you know, uh, uh, um, security layer, you know, on the top of it, but two is not consolidated. So the, I believe that, uh, uh, and, and the, the question underlying it is, uh, you know, who do you think is the typical sort of financial services client, you know, for Bitpanda Tech? Because I am banking with one of the two top Portuguese banks, for example, which I promise to make you a proper introduction to as uh, you know so you'll you'll forgive me not to be a client yet uh, and it, it is really you know a, a stack that they might not be super familiar with and it will cost so much to build it over and if you have something which is really good is comparable to all these fintechs that for example uh, are building a lending facilities uh, for a bank uh, the analogy works right in this case yeah, absolutely. So first of all, we definitely are going to change to at least get some bit of exposure, either via directly being cast of our platform or via one of our B2B partners. Uh, uh, we can make that happen. Um, but yeah, um, I think to, to come to your point, what you currently see in the market over the last six to 12 months is that due to the FTX disaster, meaning the uh, fraud of roughly 9 billion uh, US dollars of customer funds from the uh, FTX the exchange on the Bahamas situated, uh, due to being not regulated, due to being no controls and measures there and just like frauding their customer base, um, a huge lack of trust has occurred on retail investor side, but also on uh, businesses uh, for crypto exchanges and crypto platforms, especially for unregulated ones. Um, and what happened is that before people were always on the lookout for the newest feature um, or something very specific to to our modern for the platform. Suddenly, it's much more in line with the values and the USPs of a bank, meaning being the trustworthy, secure player, regulated. There is this saying: you always know where you can go and sue the bank if you need something. So it's it's local, right? So you see a huge shift of the existing. Uh, users uh, back to regulated players, for example, in Europe. And on the other side, you also see the interesting shift about banks starting now to think about what is the blockchain strategy and what is the crypto asset strategy, because more or less this goes hand in hand. For sure, a lot are still hesitating to start crypto trading, but crypto custody, for example, is always the first step into offer a certain value for the users. However, and you uh, just mentioned it, uh, you're banking with one of the top tier or top one actually banks in, in, in Portugal. Um, it doesn't matter if it's a small regional bank or if it's one of the top five European ones, everyone is looking into it. And everyone has the same question here yeah, needs to answer, make or buy? And if I buy, is it an all-in-one solution or a breed? So it's 
typically SaaS software um, um, decision-making in a bank with a huge impact because it's a completely new technology. And mostly the knowledge is very limited in-house. And that's actually where we see where, where conversations and workshops can add the most value to educate uh, people within financial institutions about the nuances and the differences of operating such services and software. Because one thing is buying some piece of software, like crypto custody, but how to actually operate it as completely different uh, aspects, but don't want to like bore anyone here with all these details. Uh, that's, uh, I think, a podcast on its own. <laughs> I actually about this, uh, like the, the crypto facilities, right? Both in terms of custodies and investment that Big Panda technology is allowing banks to buy. But that's not the only thing that you guys license, right? Uh, you know, from, uh, you know, fractional stock to ETF so to commodity, you know, every, if I understood correctly, every single piece of the, of the Big Panda stack that you guys are, uh, uh, offering to your clients, uh, you know, to your to your retail clients, is going to be potentially uh, implementable by in in the B two B version, right? Exactly. So what we learned along over the last years is that we are especially really good at building product technology and in a regulated way. So therefore, what we did is we have a very modular infrastructure and we're offering crypto trading services. We offer custody services for crypto assets, but also for blockchain tokens. In general, um, we offer market data uh, provider, we offer crypto compliance systems, and we also offer all different other kinds of features, directional stocks. Um, so that's a kind of like tokenized um, 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 or tokenized stocks, ETFs, commodities, even um, to uh, partners. Uh, and for example, uh, on the crypto side, we are live with N26, uh, the largest continental neobank from Germany, but across Europe uh, with N26 crypto, the crypto offering. But we are also live with, for example, Hype, that's the new bank of Bancasella in Italy, uh, with uh, the offering of fractional stocks uh, trading. Um, and there you see how we enable partners within their app, their online banking, their mobile app, that their users can easily buy and invest into these assets, trade them short term and invest long term. So in, actually, indirectly, I'm already a client uh, of, of you guys through number of So indeed, so I am partially... For now, I'm partially for for uh, forgivable. Uh, listen, look, uh, uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit about uh, you know the the we talked about, about like the the bank side of it, and there is more than one uh, sort of reasonable, strong motivation for these guys to sort of outsource. You know, this sort of almost new uh, asset class uh, and new way of. Uh, uh, you know, facing a specific type of uh, a specific type of uh, of investors, but uh, on the investor side, uh, you know, I am not a crypto expert, uh, and yet, uh, you know, I I'm fortunate enough to talk with my peers every day and to understand a little bit where I put my money, right? And and of course, we are talking about building an asset an asset class on a market that is super volatile by definition. And I always say, you know, the ignorant are the ones who, you know, have lost the most, you know, most of the money, you know, because uh, it it tendentially tendentially the the mass are saying that, uh, you know. The same guys are getting richer, and there are more and poor guys getting poorer. You know, without uh, 
uh, financial education. And this is even more important in crypto. What's your view and who, you know, who should have the task, you know, to give that tools to be able to understand what they're putting their hands on? Yeah, 100% signed the statement of importance of financial education and financial literacy. Um, I think to be completely blunt, um, normally the state actually needs to, as part of school um, education, also give you a certain financial education, but that's completely missing in most European countries. And that's the reason why also capital market penetration of retail investors is still very, very low. Um, however, therefore, I would say market participants need to actually jump in and educate users. So, and I think the interesting journey is, uh, especially in regards about a lot of crypto investors, um, like a lot of people across Europe started the first time investing just in January in their life with buying crypto, a high risk, high yield asset class, which normally you would just from a rational thinking perspective, not say is like the entrance point of starting investing. Everybody would think about, Oh, first, let's do a long-term ETF savings plan in some, uh, like uh, ETF, for example, uh, which is very large but low risk um, in general, depending on, on, on what ETF it is and so on, right? However, they started with a high-risk asset class and only later on, like, explored or discovered the financial markets and then diversified it to stocks, ETFs, and other asset classes. Um, this is only due to one thing. It's about the entrance barrier. It's very, very low for crypto assets. You can start with small amounts of money. There is very user-friendly onboarding processes. You do not have this feeling about, oh, capital markets, huge. It's just, oh, it's Bitcoin crypto. Let's try it out for five euros. Oh, it goes up, great. Oh, it goes down, not that good. Um, so if you, uh, where does financial education need to start? It's, need, it's where the customer is, meaning at these platforms, at these players. Um, and they need, uh, we need to educate users retail, but also corporates, actually, uh, about what the asset class is, how this works, in what you're investing, what the difference is to invest in the techno technologically driven project uh, or in some community driven project, technologically driven. Ethereum is a very good example, community driven. I think uh, Dogecoin is there always one of the uh, most well known ones um, and how to handle that. And on the other side, reduce the barrier of entry also on more traditional asset classes, it's meaning tokenization of ETF stocks, financial markets to make it accessible because one thing is educating users the other thing is giving them an easy way to try it out with very limited risk exposure meaning if you lose 10 euros or 15 it does not hurt you as much as if you would need to invest 100 or even more to just start with it right and that's i think is the important aspect actually so uh, short answer to your question we as platforms uh, the banks as partners um, but also with much lower entry barriers um, and then it boils down to fintech and building great user experience uh, for existing services. Super important point, Lucas. Super important point. So uh, let's go now into a short break, and we will come back talking about uh, you know how customizable are you know this product that you can build for your clients, you know, and how is your platform? How is Panda technology? helping your clients clients to pick their portfolio is that uh, you know once once you you evaluate their uh, risk attitude uh, do they have to build their portfolio themselves or can they get a piece of uh, you know 
asset class that are already built for them? Is it completely customizable and so on? So if you wanna have the answer to all these questions, stay with us and we're going to go, we're going to go into a short break. Pitpen the Technology Solutions is the most scalable investing as a service infrastructure available in Europe and globally. The platform allows fintechs, traditional banks and online platforms to offer trading, investing and custody services across stocks, ETFs, cryptocurrencies, precious metals and commodities. Partners can build their own user experiences on an ISO 27N1 certified and battle-proofed infrastructure. This infrastructure is set up as a modular system to enable our partners to pick and choose from our features such as saving plans, asset-to-asset -asset swaps, crypto staking, fractionalized stocks, our full blockchain and more services via one API connection. Bitpanda, your design or technology. Go to bitpanda.com for more. Hey guys, welcome back to episode 171. We are here with Lucas. Enzerdorfer, Deputy CEO and CEO of Bitpanda. This is an, actually a Bitpanda brought to you episode where we talk not only about crypto as a new asset class, but specifically into Bitpanda technology that will allow a number of financial institutions to serve their clients with a stack completely outsourced and regulated and I assure you, I didn't know about it before. So that's something that is, uh, you know, new to me. So the question I'm asking are because I am genuinely intrigued by, by the solution. So intrigued, Lucas, that I'm asking you right now, once uh, your client has uh, implemented the stack in their facility, and it is not in their facility because it's, you know, is a, is a SaaS model, obviously. So once they run with it, what is the customer experience? You know, what are how are the customer interacting with the platform? Is that completely customizable? Are you helping your clients to build product because you are the experts at the end as well, right? Sure, um, super valid topic. So if you think about an investing experience, so it doesn't matter if you want to trade crypto assets um, or if you want to trade fractional stocks or ETFs. Um, it always boils down um, to how is the customer experience, how is a user, it doesn't matter if it's a retail user, an intermediate, or a corporate uh, business customer, how actually do they, uh, or how can they find that service within or normal online banking or digital experience. And I think an important part here to mention is that uh, Bitbundle Tech is built in a way that you can fully seamlessly integrate into your front ends. Uh, let's take, for an example, N26. The N26 crypto offering is fully embedded into their mobile app, meaning the user is in their app, the user taps on uh, crypto assets, sees the charts, sees the different asset classes, can buy their Bitcoin. And this is completely integrated into the app of N26. So there is no, or it is a great user experience actually, there is no break in that experience. Um, and even with, and I think that's the great caveat we are, we are providing and solving for, even with the fact that the regulatory framework and the licenses are also provided by Bitpanda Tech, meaning we enable N26, also the crypto trading part, um, therefore, but it's still in, in, in one application. So one seamless user experience. Sure, we offer also a front-end application if you want to have it separate or if a partner does not have any tech resources on his or her side, 
to actually integrate that and start into the online banking. So then you can have some crossover um, white label front end, which is customized in a colored way and local way. But, and I think that's actually like the long-term goal always needs to be as a bank to offer the full range It's the reason why most of uh, customers, uh, retail and business customers are at one bank and consuming most of the services there. Therefore, the experience needs to be seamless. And therefore, also the experience needs to be fully integrated because the customer in the end doesn't care about how you provide that service. It's mainly about, hey, I can buy Bitcoin at my bank and that's trustworthy and that's secure. And that's the main aspect, actually. Do you think that uh, there is, and this is actually, uh, we'll come back about, uh, you know, how do you guys, well, uh, uh, sort of passport the regulation side, uh, you know, the regulation, the regulatory side of the business uh, because I'm actually, I'm actually curious. I'll ask you the, the, the question now. So, it, not all your clients would be regulated potentially, right? So, some of them might need that particular particular regulatory piece and this or part of the part of the stack. And how does it work? Do they guys do you do your due diligence before or? You know, is their responsibility to make sure they are uh, sort of uh, compatible to get uh, passported the regulation that you're giving them? How does it work? Sure. And and I realize that my question uh, is not in the sort of a super legal uh, uh, terms, but you know, hey, we have two million auditors, so I I must speak every one language. You know, <laughs> sure, very um, yeah. a lot of auditors. Um... My topic simply, or like how we regulate it, Let, let's start with that. Uh, Bitpanda is operating across Europe, a passport MIFID to um, investment firm license. We uh, are operating an e-money license, but we're also operating 11 different uh, crypto licenses and registrations across Europe. Why? There is not yet a harmonized license framework, which is passportable. Um, this uh, will come, which is called Mika, which is currently still in um, negotiations and then uh, at the European uh, Commission level, actually in the approval process. But until then, there is local legislation. And there is a, a German um, a regulatory framework for crypto companies. There's an Austrian one, a French one, a Spanish one, an Italian one, uh, Danish one, as we, and so on. And we are regulated in 11 different markets. Um, as of today, the most regulated crypto asset provider in Europe um, in that regards. And exactly as you said, if a partner wants to either go live with, for example, a crypto offering or also fractured stocks offering and does not have any license, we can provide the framework. But also if that's the much more common use case, actually, uh, a fully regulated bank, banking license or banking grade European license wants to go live offering crypto trading services, but do not want to have the exposure to crypto assets on their own balance sheet because uh, it triggers certain risk-weighted asset um, um, equity requirements. It triggers internal controls and, and, and additional requirements from a compliance perspective um, and risk management perspective, you can also outsource like these services legally, regulatory-wise, to still bit, bit, bit pander and be provided out of our license, but through the bank um, and the online banking, which is exactly uh, very nice because you see then the customer for sure knows that he's interacting with Bitpanda, but he's completely seamlessly integrated into the experience of the bank. And you as a bank legally, do not have uh, any risk or uh, compliance exposure to that service, and but still can offer the service, can earn on it, and create a revenue stream additionally out of the users. 
um, and that's actually the beauty. I can give you all the legal details, but I guess this will take much longer than we have as of today. No, no, I think you know it was your 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 answer was uh, much clearer than than my question and 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 super understandable. And actually, you know, it leads me to something else, which is, uh, you know, what kind of conversations are you know what is your killing a sales argument you know when you speak uh, with potential clients because uh, you know looking at it from an external point of view i'm basically saying that uh, you know how this is public right uh, lucas how much do you have in uh, asset under management couple of a billion couple of billions what what is it right so in every billion that is on bitpanda's uh, platform is a billion stolen uh, from somehow, you know, the more institutional financial players, right? And that would be my basic. Uh, sure. So, and that that alone should be a good enough uh, compelling compelling yeah, argument. So, it's I'm curious. Easier if I just made may jump in here. Like <laughs> you as a bank, just need to do one exercise. You need to look into your transactional bank or like payments banking flow, and need to look like how much. Has your customer base in the last 12 to 24 months actually withdrawn on fiat money, euros or any other currencies, to crypto exchange? And because like the Euro bank accounts, for example, for the crypto exchanges, you can find out very easily. If not, call me and I'm happy to provide you this. <laughs> yeah. um, and then simply look into how much money was flowing out. And then you need to think about, okay, every euro which goes out gets turned around around about five times or so per year. And if you then multiply that amount by times five, times the fees these exchanges take, for example, 1.5%, um, then you can see quite easily calculate how much revenue you're actually losing, which your customer base is already doing as of today, but simply somewhere else because you're not offering the service. And that's the interesting aspect because it's actually revenue and money, which is yeah, provided and paid somewhere else, and not within your bank. And that's the interesting aspect. So always an interesting and, number to look for. Uh, absolutely. And then, I, and, but this also, it's a, it's a hypothesis. I also think that the sort of the biggest challenge for you is to calm down their worries on the reputational side, right? Because the moment that someone who has not touched you know, these assets, uh, you know, since, you know, it's like inception, uh, all of a sudden how to communicate it to their client, uh, you know, what is the perception that the market is going to have, uh, even if uh, you could actually segregate the platform, as you just, as you just mentioned, but I'm curious about how these conversations are going, because uh, indeed, there is no bank in the world that is not thinking about it, at least the CEO you know, at the at the like a macro macro level, but I wonder, you know, the, how much is the work of the CEO, uh, how much convincing work uh, has been done or has to be yet, you know, to uh, to be done. One hundred percent valid topic, and there always comes one example to my mind. Uh, everybody's always worried about this sixty-year-old uh, grandmother who uh, is since uh, fifty years customer of. The bank and suddenly can somewhere in the online banking service or in the branch 
buy Bitcoin and then this is super risky and uh, this woman will lose all her money because she does not know and so on. Right? Watch out so, because in yeah. seven years I will be that granddad. Eh? You start need to add 10 years to that if you still want to do a, po okay. a podcast with me in a while. So uh, say 70. Got it. Then it's, then, it's the 70 year old guy. <laughs> Got it. I'm a grandpa. So my topic simply is it's a super valid point, but you do not need to roll out to everyone, right? Back to the topic I said in the beginning. Just have a look who already is doing that business somewhere else and then start offering that service to that customer base or to your high net worth individuals who are also looking for that service, actually, or to your business customers because they actually want to some, simply do it for treasury uh, reasons for um, asset diversification. So there is a large amount of customers and user base, actually, where you simply can start in small steps. There will not be a big bang in starting, oh, now I offer crypto trading to everyone and I'm one of the largest banks in a certain country. No, it will always be, there will be a pilot, then there will be a first rollout phase, then you do it actually for a certain customer segment in the end, and then you learn. Because only then you see as an organization, what does that mean? How do my customers react? What knowledge do I need to provide? How is my branch manager and my, my agents in the branch actually answering questions when someone walks in the branch and says, hey, I heard you, I can buy Bitcoin with you. How can I do that now? And can you like hand them over to me or whatever if they want to do it over the counter? So there are a lot of aspects um, and it's a learning journey. But the important topic is to start somewhere because it will not go away. Um, and you simply need to decide when you want to start. And there's always the risk that your competition on the other side of the street will simply start at a point in the time. And therefore, you need to bear in mind, do you want the data and do the business with, for example, also your customer? Actually, it's a, it's a nice segue to the next question, which is, do you think that uh, in a given market, uh, there is somehow a first mover advantage, right? Because we could argue, you know, if everyone has your platform, uh, you know, and, and, you, and you start like a packaging products, it is literally, it's not going to be a, 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 a pricing or a performance issue is simply going to be like a, an, an allocation, right? Or, or, or a customer allocation issue. So how important is, uh, you know, for a, a, let's say a mid-sized bank uh, in a given country uh, to sort of uh, decide quickly in this case? So how big is the first mover advantage in your opinion? Currently, if you would start doing it, it's very large actually. Why? Because everybody's in the decision-making about okay, how to tackle it. Some started already some internal projects to get this back up and running. Um, we also have seen and will see over the last couple of weeks behind us and uh, coming at the middle of the year, the first announcements of very starting to offer the service for each of these markets. Uh, why? Because exactly that. There are banks who always wanted to be more innovative, but didn't have the chance to. Um, and now suddenly the chance to become the first mover for a very modern and technology-driven topic. Or on the other side, you have uh, larger banking groups who are all, always the innovation driver in a certain market and therefore say, okay, we also therefore need to tackle that topic now. And as I said, nobody will start with the full rollout simply to all the customers on day one, but everybody will start serving a certain customer segment and then extending it based on the learnings. So if you are a mid-sized bank, you actually need to just answer two questions. First, um, do you want to be perceived more innovative or on the other side, really want to be? And the second topic is, do you want to add an additional revenue stream 
um, to to your service offering? And then that's both questions. You can if you answer that with yes, there can only be currently one topic, and this is uh, starting to offer blockchain-based services, for example, crypto trading to your customers. And you know, I don't think that our auditors will forgive me if I don't ask you a question related to you know these market waves, you know, that are going together with you know with crypto markets since it was born, right? And I want to say, let's leave it aside the first Bitcoin riches, you know, so the guys who somehow you know, made the, for the fortune at the very beginning. And let's start by where these waves, uh, I, I want to say, what, maybe 10 years or something, like uh, seven, seven to 10 years. And every time, uh, you know, the, the market seems to, uh, you know, to, to follow the bull run and then to lose confidence. And then again, a little bit higher. And uh, this is, of course, uh, you know, comparable to other asset class, right? Only with other asset class, what happens in 25 years, you know, it happens in two and a half years, right? Or, or maybe a little bit more in the crypto market. So when you say it is to take the risk of entering the wrong side of the wave on a small amount of my capital, if... I am sure that I can be patient enough uh, to wait for this uh, to grow again, or simply because philosophically, I like to have a part of my money into a completely new asset class because there are a lot of philosophers, right? Uh, around crypto and what the potential can be, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, you know, when you, why you seem so positive in saying, Crypto is here to stay. Yeah. Um, if we think about why actually crypto is here to stay, and I'm completely convinced of that, fact is the reason that blockchain technology is here to stay. Blockchain technology, a distributed ledger technology, has so many tremendous um, use cases, which a lot of people always um, are not getting fully because they think about, oh, I have a central database, and I have a decentralized database, it's less efficient, it's more inefficient, why should I do that? But DLT, so blockchain technology, is solving one main issue. Every system where there is not yet trust in, and therefore trusted central participants are needed. A good example are simply um, payment networks or clearing um, systems or other topics where participants in the market needed to agree on one or several central institutions to actually like provide services so that everybody can be sure that... It, yeah, that they can they do they do not need to trust each other but they can be sure that they if they all trust that central party then it's going to this will be solved with a decentralized system because you can simply trust into blockchain technology and then you do not need any like centralized institution and this on the one side will bring a lot of cost savings in all different kinds of systems not just the financial service industry but logistics for example a huge uh, um, area uh, identity also a topic and a lot of others and the underlying topic, if you think about blockchain technology, is always about, uh, it doesn't matter if it's a proof of work or a proof of stake based on with proof of stake, is somehow these technologies need to be powered. They need to be incentive systems for the node um, providers um, and everybody who puts 
also their coins at stake, so to say, with rewards. And therefore, they need to collect fees by simply how does that, these networks work. And these are the tokens. These are crypto assets. These are cryptocurrencies, which actually users can uh, get somehow need to spend to uh, use take these types of different technologies. And there is not yet one standard. There are all different layer one and layer two protocols uh, in all different kinds. So if you think about why should you invest or could you invest into cryptocurrencies uh, as an asset class, it's about uh, the long-term adoption of the underlying technology and participating on the success of different projects within that. And which projects these are, that's a different discussion. And I think everybody can deep dive into all this information separately and uh, make up his or her mind about what coins to buy and to hold. Um, but that's the underlying rationale, actually, um, independently of market waves and adoption cycles. Uh, Lucas, we talked about... Uh the what you know the solution per se we talked about the why and the why now okay we talked about who are the players what we didn't talk about is the how so and the how how much and we're not going to talk about the pricing here of course uh, even if you know you get you get we get the sense of the pricing just because of the structure of the solution but uh, uh, the idea is uh, how uh, technically challenging is for an institution that traditionally, you know, they have some legacy systems, systems to get integrated on. They, of course, are API friendly because they learn the fintech lessons the hard way. So, you know, the, 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 the uh, how do you say, the ground is fertile for sure, but uh, what is the implementation cycle and uh, what can you tell about uh, you know how resistant is the IT side of it right which is uh, your your biggest challenge not only for the not invented here syndrome but of course also because the whole the security and the access etc cetera, etc cetera, you know you sure. must have had these conversations 100% so i think if you think about projects integration and then also go lives um, there are two main aspects. One thing is uh, not the technological driven one. It's a lot about, a lot about compliance, risk, uh, reputational risk, financial risks, risk management, operational risk management. Um, when it comes to fully regulated banks, their frameworks, um, their policies, and for sure also the departments. So there's a lot about education, knowledge uh, exchange, and simply making that happen. Um, on the other side, technologically, it's actually quite straightforward because. Yeah, it depends on how you as a bank want to set up uh, your, your systems for uh, blockchain custody, for example, um, where you need to decide, as I said, is it the best of breed solution for all different kinds or do you get an all-in-one? Um, doesn't matter which, more or less, you normally have a project timeline of three to six months to actually get something like this up and running really for, from concept, concept to production readiness and onboarding the first users into it. Um, why? Because you need to think of a crypto trade, for example, needs to be also taken care and included. If you run that on your side from a license perspective, from a providing service perspective, not, not, it's not just about the custody system, the crypto trade and uh, the front-end application of the user. It's your whole mid and back office processes, right? It's about financial reporting. It's about controlling. It's about accounting. It's about uh, all other um, systems, you actually, your data warehouse, your BI teams, your data analytics, everything needs to be fitted with these informations. 
And this is why we always like recommend to start uh, with, a, with, with a pilot, very like um, separate from your existing, uh, not just uh, IT stack, but very separate from your existing middle back office processes, because that's actually the complexity you need to get that in. Um, with an integration model. So in the end, that is just similar to, for example, a stocks custody account. You operate with your customers where you can actually report on that, where you know the transactions. And to get these connectors between existing systems and uh, new blockchain technology and uh, specific subsystems, therefore, together, that's really like uh, the integration work of all of these projects. Completely doable, actually super fast from my perspective for uh, the complexity which is with this underlying blockchain technology, technological systems. Um, but you need to understand that I think everybody who works in the bank and especially uh, knows architecture, uh, the architecture pictures, understands the complexity of systems which you need to be taken care of and you need to consider if, if you do that. Um, therefore, three to six months is actually realistic planning. In in, uh, in in your experience, uh, is uh, it start to be easier, you know, to find uh, technical ex technical blockchain experts uh, within the banks, right? Yes. So uh, fa fa finding people who have actually an understanding about blockchain is nowadays uh, in all the banks definitely there. The big difference is always now or what we see is we are. A beyond the topic of what is blockchain, what are crypto assets, and why would I probably need that? It's much more about really the how. Yes, I as a bank have understood blockchain is here to stay, and I believe in some tokenization use case, uh, doesn't matter if it's uh, security tokens, bond issuings, or other stuff. Uh, I also think about how to offer crypto along the way then, but it's much more about the how to make it possible. And that's where now the education, uh, where we have with a lot of partners and clients, uh, and also potential clients, a lot of discussion, how does that target architecture picture from an IT perspective look like? Which components do they need? Good examples, for example, market data, right? Normally for traditional financial markets, you get market data, asset names, prices, life updates, descriptions from a pricing provider like Bloomberg, Reuters, etc. In crypto, nothing like this is currently available. So you need to think about, hey, from where can I get the prices and from where can I get the asset names and the asset descriptions and the KPIs and starts and so on, right? This is what, for example, uh, the Bitpanda tech market data model provides you. Nothing else than exactly that. And this is what I meant at the beginning when it's about, you need to think about what is your architecture picture. You need to think about the components and from where you get them. And then you can pick and choose and get exactly the partners like on your uh, onboarded and signed where you believe they have the best expertise for their respective field and for their respective item. My, my, my question was, uh, you know, to also to conclude this show is that uh, I see coming uh, like a Bitpanda Academy, you know, for for talents, for talents that are either coming out from you guys and are going to serve the clients uh, or for you guys to start uh, educating the clients on the usage of the platform, because ultimately, ultimately you're bringing new business uh, keep safe part of their businesses uh, that otherwise would go simply away or to other players at the same time sort of uh, especially if i'm talking about the new clients like to put a stick in the ground uh, in a, on 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 a, on a technology that uh, you know as you said is uh, is here to stay and most importantly more and more clients uh, are seeing as uh, a new unmissable asset actually me included that's great to hear. Um, I personally am also super curious about which of all of the banks like you, Mass, and are currently banking with 
will offer crypto assets uh, and crypto trading and when. Uh, and later, then you can migrate your portfolio actually back to your bank. Lucas, how can people find more about uh, Bitpanda Tech? I suppose on bitpanda.com, you have a full sort of set of exactly. info, right? Exactly. Just go there and have a look. Uh, if you're curious about, just reach out to me. Otherwise, it was great being here today. And thank you very much for the, for the great show. So on this, guys, that was episode 171, brought to you by Bitpanda on Bitpanda Technology. I'm Matteo Rizzi, and this is a wrap. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe. <laughs>